Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe for this Wednesday, the 18th of January in London. Coming up this hour. Behind the curve, the yen slumps as the Bank of Japan doubles down on yield curve control. Germany will avoid a recession this year. Olaf Scholz's bullish message on Europe's largest economy. To the victor go the spoils. Goldman and Morgan Stanley's results tell a tale of two banks. Leveling up is so 2019. British vault collapses and Gen Z ditch emails for Instagram. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers, and I'm Leanne Gerrans. Plus, working it out, City summons remote staff who aren't pulling their weight back to the office for lessons in productivity. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe on DAB Digital Radio London, Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington DC, Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Cirrus XM Channel 119 and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning, I'm Stephen Carroll. And I'm Caroline Hepke. Here are the stories that we're following today. The Bank of Japan is sticking with its yield curve control after intense speculation that they would change policy. The BOJ is keeping its negative interest rate at point, minus 0.1% and the 10-year bond yields around 0%. Mizuo Research Institute executive Kazuo Moma had told Bloomberg that he believes the central bank made the wrong call. Those comments reflected in the market reaction to the news with a sharp slide in the yen and a surge in Japanese bonds. Meanwhile, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz says that the country will avoid a recession this year. Speaking exclusively to Bloomberg's editor-in-chief, John Mirklethwaite, Scholz said that increasing energy security means Europe's largest economy won't contract in 2023. I'm absolutely convinced that this will not happen, that we are going into a recession. We showed that we are able to react to a very difficult situation. No one really expected that we would easily survive a situation when there would be a complete stop of the supply of Russian gas to Germany and Europe. But we succeeded. The German leader's comments come as Bloomberg learned that the ECB is looking at slowing the pace of rate rises from March. According to officials with knowledge of their discussions, a 50-point hike in February remains likely with a possible quarter-point increase at the following meeting. The Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond President Thomas Barkin says recent US inflation reports have been encouraging, but the rate of increase in prices is still too high to ease off monetary restraint. More from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. 
Barkin told Fox Business you just can't declare victory too soon. He says he wants to see inflation convincingly back to our target before easing up on rates. Median projections show policymakers see rates rising to above 5% this year, and officials are largely expected to raise rates by a quarter point when they next meet on January 31st to February 1st. Policymakers rapidly raised interest rates last year from near zero levels in March to a range of 4.25 to 4.5 percent in December in an effort to tame the strongest inflation in a generation. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Now to top corporate news. Shares in Goldman Sachs slumped yesterday after the Wall Street giant reported disappointing earnings in the fourth quarter. The investment banking giant saw compensation costs rise by 16% to $3.8 billion for the final three months of 2022, while investment banking fees tumbled. CEO David Solomon says the results are an outlier. Simply said, our quarter was disappointing and our business mix proved particularly challenging. These results are not what we aspire to deliver to shareholders. While Solomon's decisions were punished by Wall Street investors, the story at rival Morgan Stanley was very different. Although net income fell by almost 40% for the quarter, the bank got a big boost from CEO James Gorman's decision to focus on its wealth and asset management businesses. The UK remains the world's biggest exporter of financial services in the first year after completing its exit from the European Union, but the United States is catching up. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts has the story. The UK recorded an $87 billion trade surplus in financial services in 2021, up about 8%. This according to analysis by lobby group The City UK. That meant the UK remained the world's biggest exporter of financial services. But the US is very close behind with a surplus of more than $85 billion, a big gain on the previous year. In terms of destination of exports, the report says the US continues to be the biggest buyer of financial services from the UK, taking more than a third of the total ahead of the European Union. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. That was uh, a roundup of your top stories. They're very interesting from you and Pots. A cheer from uh, the City of London and no doubt Canary Wharf uh, that financial services are still doing well. But look, in the UK um, today, the focus will be on the inflation report out of uh, Britain, moderating perhaps, um, but still very much under pressure. We did have near record UK wage growth yesterday too. So a big focus also for the Bank of England, uh, given that the bets now are increasing on um, you know, on whether the Bank of England will raise rates at the next meeting. And another interesting point that I noted from, this is a business survey that tracks activity in the pubs and restaurants sector. Mm. So we've been talking so much about how rail strikes had affected bookings in particular in the City of London. Many um, restaurateurs saying that it would be as bad as the wipeout from Omicron the previous year. But actually, um, they had their best December sales in three years, despite the train strikes. That's Britain's pubs, bars and restaurants, according to the Coffer CGA business tracker. Sales in December, 15% higher on a like-for-like basis than a year earlier um, when Omicron, of course, was the dominant factor. Uh, But, of course, with inflation, that essentially (laughs) wipes out quite a lot of the increase in the value of those sales as well. Yeah, absolutely. Coming up next, though, why levelling up is so 2019? Plus, British Vault, the collapse, and Gen Z apparently ditching email for Insta. 
The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Now, the paper review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. Bloomberg's Leanne Gerrans is with us to go through the detail of those newspaper stories. Good morning to you, Leanne. Let's start with The Times, where the headline is, Leveling Up is So 2019, Sunak's Tories are now gauging up. Well, this is what the paper says, Stephen. So the newspaper has this article and says it was once seen as a remedy to almost all of British ills, and that was levelling up. And it would solve this whole host of problems as well as fulfilling its initial aim of fixing regional disparities. But the Times newspaper says Boris Johnson's big flagship policy, we all remember it so well, don't we? It really helped him win that 2019 election. But apparently, according to the newspaper, it has been the victim of a mercy killing. And everyone asking why, Conservative MPs in key marginal seats say they have been told to shun the use of the phrase. And it's because no one actually knows what it means. And we've seen time and time again so many people asking Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak what exactly is levelling up. And one Tory has told the newspaper those at risk of losing their seats have been advised by by party staff to use different phrases, not levelling up, but things like stepping up, gauging up. So there we are, (laughs) and enhancing communities, a change of language. I might cheekily respond, is it that people don't know what it means or that it has failed? Um, Bloomberg's Joe Mays uh, in May last year, remember, he Mm -hmm. published this um, big analysis, actually, of levelling up, and it showed that most of the UK had fallen further behind London and the South East since Boris Johnson had become Prime Minister. That was the big headline. It was picked up everywhere. And I think that bit of reporting by Joe Mays actually really changed the conversation. So I think it's fascinating now that, yeah, that the phrase levelling up may be being ditched, at least according to the Times. And Caroline, the results at the Times show Johnson's promise to level up was in trouble. And we know mm. Joe Mays did that big report on it. And that was in May last year. So this clearly is something that's been rumbling on for a while and now we hear from the Times that it is definitely now. Is it a, mm. Yeah, is it a rebrand or is it a major policy shift? I there think we are. The, the question you took it, the words out of my mouth. There we go. Stole your best lines. Leanne, let's turn to the Financial Times next. It has the headline, British 
vote collapses into administration as rescue talks fail. So this is a story that we've picked up on in the FT and actually British Vault has collapsed into administration and this comes after these last ditch efforts to secure emergency funding from investors did fail. Now this is really dashing hopes that the startup would help turn the UK into a battery manufacturing powerhouse. The company had been billed as a potential British battery making champion. It even secured investment from big FTSE 100 companies such as Glencore and Ashstead, as well as huge amounts of government funding. And the group formed a big part of the former Prime Minister Boris Johnson's plans for a green industrial revolution. You know, I just have to say one thing. The vast majority of British Vault's 232 staff were made redundant with mm. immediate effect yesterday. Yeah. And this is actually a story that is quite disappointing, I'd say say Disappointed, but long running. I mean, you know, that the um, concerns and the kind of uh, the fact that they were in trouble for a long time, it was sort of well known. So, yeah, now the collapse into administration sort of actually happened. Uh, All right, let's uh, look at the Telegraph, which has the headline Bosses forced to contact staff on Instagram as Gen Z ditch email. Come on then. Yes. So Thierry Delaporte, he's a chief executive of WePro. Now he's been speaking on the sidelines of Davos, of course. The World Economic Forum is happening there at the moment. And I think this is really interesting. He says bosses have resorted to sending their staff messages on Instagram. That's because an increasing number of young employees just ignore their work emails altogether. Apparently, they only get a thousand a day, maybe. Maybe that's a good excuse. Yeah, and he was saying 10% of his staff don't even check one email per month. And I thought, wow. And he's saying this is actually a wake-up call for employees struggling to recruit as he addresses the phenomenon of quiet quitting, which we have discussed Mm. a lot before on the show, where fed-up workers do the bare minimum required of them. And he said increased remote work and a greater desire for a work-life balance is really going to have to force executives to become creative. And it looks like some of the Gen Zs are just fed up with the corporate world. Well, look, it's a whole question about effective communication as well. I think we can all agree we have been deluged by emails in our lives. Oh. There is, I mean, every day, you know. You've it's got mail. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not that you've got mail, it's that you've got hundreds of mails. Yes. And how many of them are, you know, absolutely need to be read? How many mm. of them are things that people send an email more widely than it should be necessarily sent? And there's an environmental impact of that as well, of course, too. Uh, interesting that uh, Anjali Sud, also speaking in Davos, he's the CEO of Vimeo, said that emails were like instruction manuals and being seen as being outdated Uh, in today's world like we all migrated to email from faxes, essentially. I mean, maybe there's a, a, a next form of it where everything becomes. I had the telegram, tighter. you know. <laughs> <laughs> stop, Leon. Stop. Yeah, but yeah. you're absolutely right. And I mean, every time I click on my email, sometimes you get a bit of anxiety if you've been in the gym for two hours, and then you're like, "Whoa!" But then, mind you, stalking me on social media, I think that will definitely. That's give even more creepy. <laughs> Leon, guys, thank you so much for that look through the newspapers. Right, I want to move on uh, though to one of our key interviews of course. The leader of Europe's largest economy says that he's sure that the country will avoid recession. This is Germany's Chancellor Olaf Scholz. He sat down for an exclusive interview with our editor-in-chief John Micklethwaite in Berlin. Have a listen. I'm absolutely convinced that this will not happen, that we are going into a recession. 
and uh, we showed that we were that we are able to react to a very difficult situation. I think no one really expected that we mm. would easily survive a situation when there would be a complete stop of the supply of Russian gas to, to Germany and Europe. And, but we succeeded with uh, all the decisions we took to, 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 to fill our storage capacities with gas, that we put 20 coal plants back to work in producing electricity in using the Norwegian and gas and the Dutch gas and in using the capacities of Western European plan, uh, ports and building new LNG ports at the northern shore of Germany. And the first one was opened in the end of last year after 200 days of work. The next one last week and the third to come will be opened the next week. But do you think, Chancellor, that that is enough for next year? It, Europe has avoided a gas crisis, this, an energy crisis this year, partly because of the provisions you talked about, partly because of the rather nice warm weather, although Berlin seems to be an exception at the moment. For all those reasons, we've got away with it this year. Next year, do you think that you can get through without blackouts? You're giving up nuclear power. You're giving up a lot of that gas that you had this year. I'm sure that we will be able to go th through the situation again. And this is because we are constantly increasing our capacities for importing gas uh, from the northern German ports. And this will not stop with the things we did already. It will continue. And uh, we will build a capacity that gives us a chance to have as much gas as we had uh, before uh, this war uh, and are able to import it without importing gas from Russia. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.